0: Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Hamilton, the Broadway show on Disney+. Plus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Disney's Star Wars' Hamilton, <laughs> the Broadway show.
0: <laughs> it's important that we make that distinction because we're not talking about having gone and seen it in the theater. We're talking about having watched a video version of the theater show. Yeah, we'll get
1: into that, obviously. This is an American historical Broadway musical theater production directed by Thomas Cale. The cast includes Jack the Lamplighter, David Diggs, Chris Jackson, Leslie Odom Jr., Philippa So, Anthony Ramos, Christoph Sven, and Okirata Onadowan.
0: I watched this on Disney Plus, of course. Joey, was that where you watched it? I also watched this on Disney Plus. It was probably the like most anticipated release on on Disney Plus since like uh, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian, probably. yeah. Um, so it was good to have D- Disney Plus <laughs> for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joey, why don't you give us the synopsis for Hamilton,
1: the Broadway show? I give uh, this. This movie is a uh, <laughs> found, <laughs> this movie is a founding fathers rap battle.
0: That's right. That's essentially Hamilton in a nutshell. Um, let's start off with our pros and cons. Joey, what did you like about Hamilton?
1: What what has been said that can't be said a thousand times? Historian music is just awesome. Musicals require so much talent and dedication in general, and this is really a no exception. It's a very unique style with a really unique story. It's extremely ambitious, but pulled off so so well. Everyone is just so amazing, and it just shows you what you can what to expect when you go to a Broadway show. It's it's honestly just at that level as of all those other ones um the whole thing is basically sung too which is pretty incredible you know a lot of times like when you see a show on in a theater it's like half there's a lot of musicals and like you know choreography and all that stuff but uh for hamilton almost the entire thing is sung it's almost like a modern day opera you could say
0: it is really impressive that's really good to point out because even though you can't really sew the whole thing together just by listening to it, in my opinion, as a person who listened to it for years before seeing it, you almost can. Like, like, almost every single thing in the show is actually on the soundtrack. Um, Yeah, I agree, there's so much praise you could throw at this show. Specifically, I wanna say that it's rapping without being cringe. And that's hard to pull off, especially when you're like a theater kid, I feel like. So I, I think that that is something that you might get used to. But originally, the idea of rapping about Alexander Hamilton is not like the most, it's not the coolest idea until you see it actually you know, executed this well. The stage design is super creative and I want to preface all these things that I talk about with the theater as like, I'm definitely a musical theater lightweight. So, there are probably things that blow me away about the show that you could say about most Broadway shows, but I'm still going to just give my honest reaction to it. Um, I also think the the casting is just amazing. Um, like, not only are they diverse, which is a creative choice essentially in this setting because they're telling a story that was mostly told about white people or consisted of white people, but also the voices—they are all such great singers. And it just—it's honey on my eardrums. Like, it's just everything. Like, throughout, even the um, supporting cast the ensemble is made up of these extremely good talents. Um, I love the the music itself. I've been li- like I said, I've been listening to the soundtrack for years, um, and also it, it helps to build the significance of these historical figures, namely Hamilton, but also Aaron Burr, in a way that doesn't necessarily just glorify them. It it helps to give you more context around them instead of just saying like how cool was Hamilton. It also says hey, there's, l- look at some of the messed up stuff he did. Um, okay, so that's the pros. Let's let's take a look at the
1: cons and what did you not like about Hamilton, Joey? this is not the way to experience a musical, like not something like this. Filming just doesn't do it justice. Um, Acting on stage is not the same as acting in a movie. Uh, And compared to a movie, I don't even really know what I'm looking at necessarily. Uh, This is not the way it was meant to be experienced. It's, you know, when I'm watching a movie, I can judge it for all the decisions that are made. You know, there's the you know the, the what the, what they decided to keep in frame how they decided to shoot the shoot each each character how the actor emotes and portray, and advances the story how the story is told and all that stuff you know not, all that's thrown out the window here you know this is not the same thing at all this is something totally different but it it acts like a movie right there's like a there's cameras and there's different shots and they're like moving around and trying to show all these different things, but it doesn't like, it's not meant to be that, you know, it's meant to be seen on stage. And like, I saw it in, on a stage, uh, not with the Broadway cast, but, um, in Durham in North Carolina and like anytime you see a, a theater production, especially one as interesting and as cool as Hamilton is, like you get sucked into it and you forget how far away you are from it. You really do feel like you're on the stage and that you can see the people's reactions, even if you can't really see their facial expressions up close. So like, it, it, like just it, you're not, I feel like you're not gaining anything by having it filmed and watching it. You're only losing stuff. So it's not the, it's not as bad necessarily as listening to just a soundtrack and and then trying to talk about it. But it's not the same as going to see it in person.
0: I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, and I do want to get deeper into it. Um, but I agree. it's This is a theater production, not a movie. And just pointing a camera at it doesn't necessarily mean you've captured the essence of it. Uh, but I do want to delve deeper into that a little bit later. Uh, but for now, let's, let's dive into it. So let's... Uh, Open it up to our
1: overall section, Joey. Take it away. Well, clearly, I think Lynn Manuel Miranda is a genius. Uh, this is such an am- ambitious idea. Telling the true story of our nation's history and then lining up pro- like a prominent moment, but under but an underrated person's life uh, to tell this compelling and well written story. Like it's it's so masterfully done. You know to to take Alexander Ham- Hamilton's life and then kind of use that as a lens to see the American revolution, but then also use his life as like this perfect three act structure is just like incredible. Um, and basically the whole thing is sung, which is uh, amazing. Uh, it really does deserve all the praise it gets, I think. Um, some of it, of course, is wrapped. Like you said, like that's super impressive just on the surface, but to make it actually compelling and like you to get used to it. Like I didn't have any trouble understanding what was happening in the story and to have the whole thing wrapped means there's so much more that can happen all at once. You know, it's it's almost three hours long. like It's two hours and 40 minutes long, but it's like it just moves. There's so much that's going on and it goes fast. Um, I'm just really in awe of the whole thing. The set is also really unique with the interlocking spinning wheels, like the floor that that starts and stops, and it creates all these awesome uh, choreography opportunities. And it's used extremely well, and it's basically seamless. And I don't really, I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, like, yeah. I,
0: I <laughs> actually seamless is such a great word to use because there's so many times where people are dancing and sliding across that floor and it's easy to forget that it has this rotating aspect to it because again it's just seamless when the floor needs to rotate it can be a rotating floor and when it wants to just be a normal floor it can be that too
1: yes it's so cool. And like there's sort no of like juddering or anything. Everyone's so smooth on it. Sometimes they use it like a treadmill. Sometimes they're all stopped and the whole thing is spinning. Yeah, when the it's Skylar just sisters
0: are walking downtown and they're yeah. they're just like walking at pace and going nowhere is oh, it's amazing.
1: It's so cool. Yeah. So they had that they had that in the when I saw it live as well. Um, and yeah, it's just I mean, I've never seen anything like that before. And it's used so, so well. Um you know, I think that's one of the things that makes like theater shows so impressive is when they're using a set so dynamically, right, to show many, many different scenes but with very little props um and yeah to do it like this is all, it's almost like a theater in the round kind of thing where they're so limited in what they're putting on the actual stage um but they're still showing you every side of it and everything even though they also have the balcony area with the like the steps that move and all that other stuff too so yeah it's just a really impressive set um and to design dance and sing around something like that and use it so effectively without calling so much attention to it be like wow look at this cool thing we have you know it's just like oh this is just part of it and we're just going to use it constantly and perfectly like yeah i can't imagine them doing it better so (laughs) you know i don't know how they come up with that stuff like how does manuel Manuel miranda say okay now i need a spinning floor oh yeah this can't be the first time that they've ever used something like this but like to to think, you know, this is what's really going to sell it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I don't know. I don't know how that works. No,
0: so much, so many aspects of uh, the play design. It, it goes beyond just how addicting the music is, or just how compelling the, the idea, how creative the idea is. It's all. It's mm-hmm. it's just high quality throughout.
1: Definitely. Okay, so the one kind of deeper section, kind of thing that I want to talk about is what I think is most interesting about the framing of this whole musical. Um, is this telling history in kind of a new way this isn't a documentary at all right it's it's like a more like a biopic you might say and Alexander Alexander Hamilton never said I'm not throwing away my shot you know <laughs> that, that's not that's not a direct quote but it gets the idea of him across so well and it's less concerned with the nitty-gritty details and exact phrasing or order events even and more concerned with telling Hamilton's story as it was lived um, although no one his life is perfect, it fits into a perfect three-act structure like Hamilton does in this, <laughs> in this musical. I'm sure, and I'm sure liberties were taken. The intention of this production wasn't just to entertain. It is to inform people of what it's like to participate in our nation's most important moments. Um, it's a way to connect something far away and bring it close to home. I think that was really his intention, was to show just how You know, things were similar back then, how people back then acted just the same way that people act now and have the same kind of ideas and dreams and goals. Um, And they're not really smoothing over the uncomfortable bits, really, uh, but they're showing how these people rose to the occasion, did what was hard because they believed in something. Yeah. I think that's a lesson that's more relevant
0: now than ever before. I agree. Trying to connect the dots to, to normal life. I mean, just currently, I was thinking about how hard it would be to you know get all the americans to join in a revolution against somebody else i feel like right now we're so divided it's like that would never happen at least half of us would be like no the revolution is fake you know The, the british are actually the ones that we should be testing you know like yeah
1: but that's probably what happened back then too you think the majority of people were in support of the american revolution i think it was probably about 50 50 Maybe a little bit on the minority side, you know. There were lots and lots of Americans that were, you know, Tories. That oh, were, definitely. That were loyal loyal to the to the government, and then or to the um yeah to the actual government because there wasn't a government yet. Um, and I mean George Washington in in the in the musical was like, we're having trouble rallying the troops. Like, people aren't answering the call. You know, we're getting a third of the people that Congress promised us. You know, so. It was definitely not a necessarily popular idea. Oh, sure.
0: But even those third of people, I'm like, oh, man, it feels like that is so different from what we are now. And I think that's just a little bit of like, uh, what is it, recency bias and feeling pessimistic about how things are in this exact moment. Uh, but it is certainly something that I think is striking that there were so, so many people willing to be like, I will die for this idea. I have, I'm so compelled by my beliefs that I'm willing to
1: join forces and go out there and die for these people. Yeah, but there's also way more people now than there ever was before, and especially back then. Um, and, I mean, the majority of people, like the polls show the majority of people support some sort of police reform right now. Uh-huh. If you're talking about rising up against some sort of inherent system that's been around for a long time, you're not going to find a better example of that than right now. Um, yeah, and more people are coming out to protest. There's more people like participating in activism now than ever in our history. So, Okay, you know, yeah, I'm being a little <laughs> pessimistic. You're right. I think that's, I think what I thought was really interesting when I was first listening to this was, does, do people in historical moments realize they are in historical moments, right? Because they say like, you know, how lucky we are to be alive right now when history is being made right around us. You know, there's, we're, the eyes of history are on us right now. Like, obviously that's true. Otherwise there wouldn't be a musical about it, you know, (laughs) but would people in that moment really think that? And I think that i living through a historical moment right now, just talking about the coronavirus. I think people do. I think people do recognize that what the time they're living in can be really important and and show that that's going to have some sort of effect on history. And when we're telling this story, what that story is going to be, you know, whether or not that, what what it shakes out to really be is kind of up in question. But, you know, history certainly has our eyes on us right now. And I think a lot of people probably think that that's always true. I you know, that's the kind of you know, narcissism that's normally present, especially in American life, it's like I'm the most important and you know, people should really care about His, what I think history led up to this <laughs> to me personally, <laughs> to this podcast. But <laughs> but I think people I think there are I think you know reasonable people can disagree, but I think most people agree that right now is a very historical time where it's something that's gonna be written about uh, long after it's finished and something that we're all going to be thinking about for a long time and be asked about by our descendants, you know? So I don't I don't think that's necessarily wrong. When he says that, you know, they're living in a historical time and that the people in it recognize that, I think that's probably true. Um, I think it's a, this is an interesting way to bring history to life and engage people in a new way and encourage them to look around and realize just how lucky we are to be alive right now. Uh, we're living in a moment of crisis in I mean, we were living in a moment of crisis in 2016 when this was filmed. Uh, and that moment has only become more urgent. How do we move this move, move moment into a movement, like Hamilton says? Uh, maybe this has already started. But it takes courage and the will to stand up for what you believe. Don't be like Aaron Burr and wait for other people to decide how things should operate. It's our time to make that decision ourselves. I like That's it. kind of the lesson I took away yeah. from this whole thing.
0: No, I like that a lot. Um, well, I, I want to uh, backtrack really quick and go back to what your con was about this filming of a theater production. Because Sorry. when we were discussing the potential of making this episode, that was your first thing that you brought up. And it kind of informed my viewing um, as a person who was already a fan of Hamilton and just wanted to do this because I, I really love the soundtrack and I was excited I could finally see it. Um, I kept a critical eye. Um, out for exactly how this viewing uh was different than like going to a theater itself and there's a few things that stuck out to me first off like the editing choices that are made like the quick cuts that happened i think helped to you know i don't know i'm not even gonna say that they help but maybe they're intended to give your eyes something new to look at and keep things exciting but it was keep track of what's going on. I've watched this twice uh, all the way through. And the second time, I felt like I was able to take in a lot more because I focused on looking where my eyes didn't automatically go. Um, I feel like those quick cuts mm. make it harder to keep track of what's going on. And there's so many scenes in Hamilton where the stage transforms without the use of quick cuts. There's, you're not going to convince the audience to look away unless you turn all the lights out. They do these creative stage formations that
1: are a lot harder to appreciate when the camera's cutting around. What about that? Yeah. What about when, he, when, he's, ab- when he's about to get shot by Burr, right? There's like time stands still. Uh, and that and that one stage hand is moving the bullet across the thing, and then all these all these moments come back to him, right? And like Eliza just appears in the middle of yeah. the stage, like where did she come from? You know, and in a movie that's super easy to do, you don't even think about it, and then you think about like what that means. But like when you watch it as a player, like how did they even do that? You know, it's it's amazing just how just, like just how far that medium has come necessarily, it, it, but. It's ruined a little bit when you watch it as a film because you're like, well, it doesn't, you know, right? Make a cut around that. <laughs> you no, know? definitely, and it I not mean, matter. The camera has
0: a clear bias towards the, ta- like, the lead talent, you know, that's always doing close ups on Lin Manuel Miranda and. Right. um You know, uh, like, which is nice. I think that there's something to be said about like enjoying the, you know, magnificence of the original Broadway cast, you know, being able to see someone who is a bona fide celebrity playing this role. But, in the larger picture, you're missing out on a stage that's filled with talent because the camera is deciding in this moment this is the only talent you get to look at. Um, like one specific scene for me that it was kind of just like a you know glass shattering moment. The second time I saw it was when um, uh, um, the Reynolds are not Reynolds. Uh, Skyler's sister, um, Peggy Angelica. I don't know <laughs> Angelica Sky- <laughs> when Angelica was. Um, remembering the night she met Hamilton. Like, not only is it they're at a wedding and she's giving the toast, and then the scene kind of falls apart around her and transports her back to that night, but the thing that happened that night happens again. And it's so cool. The entire stage is making doing the exact same thing again, but now it's from her perspective. That would be so cool to be able to see all of the details of because I know oh my that gosh. that's the level of attention that they went to. And then yes. the way that the way the scene transitions from the wedding to the flashback, the flashback is exact same and then it transitions back to the present moment all so smoothly. It, it The cuts make it seem like you almost change scenes, where if you're watching it live, you would get to see all that smoothly come together. And it's it's just disappointing that you don't get that same effect when the cameras are assisting you and being like, okay, this is a different scene. We're cutting across. Yeah, well, what about like the, the shot
1: from straight above, you know? where you can see like what like the lighting and stuff and you can see everyone from from yes. from their like from birds eye view like no one's sitting on top of that you know what's at the stage hand like no one's experiencing it from that direction right like it was and they know that you know <laughs> like when they were making this they weren't thinking oh what's going to look like from overhead we're going to think like what can they see from the top you know yes. from the top, or what about that scene where um George uh, Washington King George yeah, oh. where King George is um is like off stage sort of, right? He's like he's sitting there on his stool um and he's like observing what's going to happen with the John Adams administration. Uh-huh. Um and they can't cut away from him, you know? They they can't like, they have to frame the whole thing so wide on, because they had all these close-ups earlier earlier in the thing. Um and so they could see everyone's facial expressions close up. And then when suddenly there's something happening, even slightly kind of like off center, they have to do this wide shot so you can see his reaction. That's ruined, you know? Like you can't, (laughs) you're missing the whole thing because... You're all these extra extras are in the background and stuff moving around and everything that you're not necessarily supposed to be paying attention to are part of the show and part of that detail, you know. And although they do such a good job with directing your attention with spotlights and all that stuff, there's all this stuff that you're missing by seeing it through this lens,
0: yeah. No, and I mean, I was gonna, I I mean,
1: it's done here's the thing, it's done really well, you know. This the the camera's work is very smooth and everything, but it's just anytime you try to attempt something like this, you're gonna miss something, and it's that's what you're you're diluting the intention is my problem sure
0: yeah i mean just i wanted to point out another like impossible perspective which was the one where the camera that's on the back wall you get to see george washington's face before he turns around and it's like what is this a wwe entrance where you see him like in the (laughs) locker room before he comes out for his fight you know i was like
1: yeah again it's
0: just kind of shakes you out of like the whole theater immersion and another thing you said about the spotlights um i don't think and this may be just i uh, don't agree with the artistic decisions but i felt like there were certain lighting specifically the blue lighting that does not look good on camera and i'm guessing Mm. it actually looks better on like on the stage but the blue lighting made it, it was so drastic that the the contrast between that blue lighting and then different lighting on their faces it was a distraction for me and i felt like that was probably not the same way that light hits your eyes if you're in person
1: uh yeah i didn't i would i didn't pick up on that i saw that and i was wondering why it looks so weird uh but you're right it must have been because of the like the camera artifacts from that yeah
0: yeah and again maybe if i saw it live i would be like oh actually they still look weird in real life but from i think that's probably not that big of a stretch to say that stage lighting and camera lighting are different so Hmm. um so okay so that's kind of the problems with viewing this through a lens um possible solutions obviously go see it live you that is something that i know in this, in right this now. current moment is not really good but um I, yeah it's don't let i think the idea that i want to get across is that don't let this be the end point if you really love hamilton make it your mission to go see it live as the way it's intended to be seen um I still haven't done it, but I will one day. I actually, when Hamilton was on Broadway and it was so exclusive and difficult to get there, I made a promise that I would take my grandchildren to see Hamilton. So I'm (laughs) still on track to to accomplish that. Um, But I thought of some other things just while we were in this realm of like trying to experience theater, even though you're not at the theater. um, I thought it would be interesting to try like toggling virtual seating. So instead of having the show be done for like cameras that move around, just set up cameras with like a human perspective. so it's like I want to sit in the box seats and see what Hamilton looks like from that and they just film mm. one show from multiple perspectives and maybe you could toggle your view and sit in different places. Um, I actually don't know what that would look like. I imagine maybe it could be stale if like you can see too much or you know not enough. I- I'm not really sure, but I think if you made it VR, it could be something that really could be immersive um and potentially could be so cool that they would have to not do it because people wouldn't go to the theater the nba (laughs) has this they have like nba sideline pass where you can wear vr and you can get the perspective of someone sitting like at the half line uh like right next to the court i've never done it so i don't know how good it looks but i mean vr i feel like they've come a long way so potentially could have been better that would be kind
1: of cool that'd be interesting to see you know again like it's not i don't know like Maybe I'm just like, maybe I just don't get it. But like, I feel like the whole experience of going to the theater, you know, finding your seat, waiting, anticipation for the thing to start—like, it's all part of that experience. Oh, you know? definitely. And maybe I'm saying like, oh, you can't watch a movie in a theater either. Like, maybe that's not the same thing. But it—it it doesn't really. It's not really the same thing. Your your medium you're watching it through changes the way you experience the movie. I mean, there's so.
0: there's nothing like the rush to the bathroom during intermission. Um, that's definitely right. a part.
1: Of going to the- <laughs> Definitely a thing
0: that I. <laughs> Definitely miss, um, but I mean this show did have an intermission, which is important because it is long, and I do for the same reason I enjoy the bathroom break. Although I could really take a bathroom break whenever I want because of the medium, but I want to say some good things about having Hamilton on Disney Plus because I think we've done enough to bring it down. But as a person who desperately wants to participate in Hamilton, who had been who's been listening to the soundtrack, you know, since 2016 ad nauseum. Um, I think having the visual does add a lot to help you connect the dots and complete the story. Um, It especially helps to flesh out the characters because of the way that they move and express themselves. To to be honest, I did not really like Thomas Jefferson very much when I just listened to him, but having David Diggs in his mannerisms complete the person of Jefferson, I came away liking him a lot more. Uh, Same thing with James Mm. Madison more in the sense that he was different from who he was in the first half in Hercules Mulligan. Um, there's a whole Christ. lot that you get just by being able to put your eyes on these characters. And maybe it doesn't um, you know, bring you to that same level um, of actually going to see them live with the original cast, but I think getting to see the characters who were intended to play these characters originally helps in a certain way to help you see what Lin-Manuel was really trying to get across. Um, and Definitely. also, obviously this like we talked about this a little bit more but like the uniqueness of the set design and the world that this takes place in cuz when you're listening you're hearing them talk about blowing up like they're abandoning Kipps Bay and stealing cannons and it's like, what's going on on stage while this is happening, you know? And it's, kind of, it's cool to finally at least have some answer, even if it's incomplete, um, to be able to know what was actually happening. Because there's so many things where there's like an offhand comment or, you know, a character, like for instance, the cabinet battle. When um, Jefferson's like, when we were, uh, you know, we were wounded and needed half a chance, who offered us like weapons? And then you hear, France, you know? And it's like, what was? Who said that? Why was that a thing? But you right. get to see that right, right, actually, right. this whole time, James Madison, his partnership with Jefferson, they're almost always con- like together on stage. Uh, you're like, okay, so that's who said that. So I think things like that, at least for me, satisfied some part of the the uh, the craving for more Hamilton.
1: Yeah, you know, I think I would go like listening to the soundtrack is one level, right? And then seeing this is the next, and then seeing it live is is the next yes. one up. You know, I think the difference between seeing it and um, listening to it and then seeing the, the Disney Plus version uh, is probably the same difference as seeing the Disney Plus version and seeing it live.
0: Yeah, okay. I, I definitely agree you, with that.
1: You gain just as much from that. I, I agree with that. Um
0: and uh like going also talking about some of the characters i didn't i i knew that david diggs played two different characters but i didn't really know that how many characters switch it up um i i think it was really cool to see like i just said the juxtaposition between hercules mulligan and james madison like their mannerisms hercules mulligan is so um you know volatile and james madison is so much more reserved and then um i i love david diggs i think everybody loves david diggs and seeing him as lafayette and jefferson um were, that was great John Lawrence this one was interesting to me because first off it's like Lin-Manuel Miranda was like I need to pick someone that is really good at dying uh, because he's gonna <laughs> die in both roles
1: to die twice <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and um but I thought it was also interesting that he played nine-year-old Philip Hamilton um like that was the one part i talked earlier about how rapping they avoided being cringy in the rapping that scene actually is pretty cringy to me um i know he's supposed to be a cute little kid and it's like oh pff, pff, you know his mom is yeah but, he doesn't, but he's
1: standing up like they could have did something with his legs or something you know kind of yeah. kneel or something you like
0: <laughs> well because when they first did it and he's like at the piano and he's sitting and the rotation of the um stage Puts it so his back is to the audience. I thought they're gonna do some sort of thing where it's like you never see his face and he, like, is his back is to the, so you're like, oh, it's the kid version and they'll bring out the mm. real version later. But no, they just have him stand up and be just as tall as his father when he's nine years old. Um, it, it's fine. It's, it really is fine. I think actually, I, okay, let me finish on this. I thought maybe that was an opportunity to bring in like a nine year old, to be nine year old Philip Hamilton and then have older Philip later. But having this weird, like, okay, that's definitely not a nine-year-old, like, the whole dual role thing uh, taking you out of reality actually works uh, to help you be able to stomach the fact that Peggy Schuyler. Is also the Mariah Reynolds, who is the mistress. So Hamilton's cheating on his wife with her sister. Um, you know, the, you're like, okay, this is. I don't have to. They're definitely two different people. This is, you know, pay attention to what the story is calling them, and not who they're actually played by. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess. I. I didn't, They didn't look that similar to me, honestly. Uh, I think they, the makeup and like their hairs all different. They're wearing different clothes and everything. So they're. It's pretty. It's hard to to tell exactly who is who.
0: I think that you could actually put this under like the cons of filming it because it's so easy to tell what their faces look like when you have Mm. a high definition camera. On stage it would probably be more um, obvious who they are based on what they're wearing. And there's a ton of characters who play members of the ensemble and they're wearing something more generic and then they wear something very unique and now they're a person. You know, they're right. Samuel Seabury, they're right. Mr. Reynolds, whoever his first name was, uh, James Reynolds.
1: Yeah, but they're also part of that ensemble cast in the back. Yeah. Right. So I, um,
0: I yeah, I guess I'm realizing it as I say it. I think that's another problem with having it through a camera. Um, a couple other things I just want to praise about Hamilton. George Washington, dude. Um, This is what I imagine he actually sounded like. I know it didn't. He didn't sound like this. But talk about an amazing casting choice! Like he's so obviously, I don't know. Just he's like the strong father figure of America. And honestly, this show just, or this play, just makes me really idolize George Washington. I think that Lin Manuel Miranda does a really fair job of humanizing everyone. It's like no, this is not a story about saints. Okay, these are not perfect people, but if there's anyone who's in danger of being overglorified, it's George Washington. Like he is just amazing, and, and I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like him in real life. Um, but I came away from this play with an even more inflated uh, uh, adoration or uh, of right, George right. Washington.
1: Yeah, I think that's some of the recent, more recent blowback in the cancel Hamilton movement has been focused on George Washington and how this play glorifies him. Do we want to um, talk like, about cancel Hamilton here? I don't. I don't really know if there's anything worth saying.
0: <laughs> I think it's the like with the state. Again, I don't. I don't. I don't really want to touch cancel culture that much. But like with the state of things right now, it makes sense that people are speaking out against Hamilton. You know, uh, sure. Like it's it's so obvious. I, yeah,
1: I don't know. I think I think if you read any articles about it, they were careful to be pretty nuanced about it. You know, I think. But like if you just read the headlines, people are very upset. I think it's. I don't know. It, they talk a lot about slavery in this. I mean, not it's not explicitly about any uh, anything, but they have multiple characters talking about how they fought against slavery um, and how like this was a, a a value of certain people. Yeah, and they um, criticized even Jefferson
0: for being um, a slaver.
1: Yeah, they did. So like, it's an issue that's not ignored. You know. Yeah. It, um, but it's really not the point of the story, right? Like, I think. It's important that we are able to differentiate people from their actions, you know? One of the things I like about this idea of, like, of tearing down statues of people is that maybe no person, one person, should be, uh, like, valued so highly. Maybe their actions alone or their accomplishments should be the thing that we value, and we shouldn't be celebrating people because people are too complicated. Um, I like that take.
0: I think that's a good take.
1: So you know i i think there's some value in saying there's an asterisk here you know but i also don't think that this kind of blowback is going to really going to last i think honestly people are going to come back to this in a few years and be like ah this thing's awesome still um you know it, maybe maybe it's worth maybe some prop you know some hearts are problematic and worth discussing further and adding some extra context but beyond that like the point that they're getting across is still very much relevant
0: yeah i i briefly did some research on cancel hamilton which is just looking at the hashtag on twitter and i saw a lot more people saying i can't believe people are trying to cancel hamilton and less people who were seriously making a well thought out critique i did see mm. some you know smooth brain takes that were people who may or may not have even seen it and they're like you know the founding fathers were racist right it's like all right whatever like i <laughs> don't know if i can really listen to you if that's the they can't hear of your you, you now like
1: <laughs> they're dead <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, um but yeah I mean I'm'm I'm, I'm not saying that Hamilton is above criticism but I also get this overwhelming feeling that you have bigger enemies out there Hamilton is very obvious the show is obviously anti-slavery and pro-immigrant so I mm-hmm. think that these people who may be offended by these racial issues that are from the past yeah obviously can find
1: bigger fish to fry and in 2016 like immigrants like or immigration was a real was the biggest issue more so than it was race even if that's you know maybe that's misplaced but that was what we were talking about more at that time so it really did hit hard I mean there was that whole thing where Mike Pence went to go see it remember yes and um and I, I think it was Lynn Manuel Miranda or somebody on st- on stage as he was leaving called out to him and said I hope you understood what this thing was about <laughs> <laughs> I do remember
0: that making the headlines which of course made people anti-Hamilton then too right so um, yeah it is I, I, like, I'll leave it at that I think they're a bigger fish to fry you can probably find problems with almost anything that gets created uh, but I think Hamilton does a lot more good than bad um, sure okay another thing that Hamilton does really well is duels dude duels are epic and I think Hamilton cashed in on that idea at the right time like obviously they're not the. This is not the first like show or piece of media that has uh, duels be a climactic moment for them, but it feels fresh in this. Like it feels brutal, it feels old fashioned, it feels climactic, um, and like the song itself, the Ten Dual Commandments is amazing too. You notice yeah. that the sound, that clock sound, gets used at, instead of the Walt Disney noise when they uh, when you see the Disney castle at the very. That's beginning. right. That's right. It's. One of the most memorable songs in this whole thing, even just from an audio perspective. Um, so I, I think that that's important because before this, I only knew, and obviously this is an indictment on the American education system, but like before this, I was like Aaron Burr and Hamilton duelled each other, and Hamilton's on the ten dollar bill. Like that was basically <laughs> how I knew what went on because of uh, Chronicles of Narnia, the uh, the rap song from SNL. What are they, I forgot what they call it. Lazy Sunday is the name of the song. You ever heard that? I feel like I have. Well, it was a classic SNL skate with Chris Parnell and um, Andy Samberg, I think. Uh, but what's important is throughout, the th- there, it's a rap song, and they keep talking about how they're spending Hamilton's. Like they—that's mm. like them flexing on how much money they have, but they're only spending uh, ten-dollar $10 bills. bills, and uh, it's like you could call me Aaron Burr from the way I'm dropping Hamiltons, which nice. was fire bars back then. <laughs> um, it may be a precursor to this show itself, but uh, <laughs>
1: but again, it, you click Lin Manuel Miranda's watching SNL? He's like, hmm, I can make a whole <laughs> show out of that. <laughs> um, but
0: <laughs> but. Um, I think they do it really well. It's well executed. It's a fun idea, fresh idea, and um, you know, just another you know amazing part of this show. And lastly, Absolutely. I want to just say the the king, the king is so good. Like
1: he is so good. He's my favorite character.
0: His songs already were some of my favorite just to listen to because I just it, they're they're funny. They sound nice on your ears, um, and it gets. I mean. seeing the way he acts while he sings it, I think makes it twice as good. Cause he's so reserved. He doesn't, or not reserved, but like his movements are so subtle and he's so fancy with the things that he wears. Yes, he is. And he's so pompous about like the way he goes about it. Oh man. It's, I love the King. And uh, oh, and I got to give him props for going full uh, commitment and spitting when he says, "No, don't change the subject." Like he, like, yeah, I know his sp- lips are all wet. He spits <laughs> a big one out, and um, I got it. You know, that's the type of thing that gets, makes me to stand up and throw the roses onto the stage at the end because <laughs> he's really going all in.
1: Because um, he watered your roses for you. <laughs> um, the the actor who plays him is uh, Jonathan Groff. Um, who is the voice of Kristoff and Sven from uh, Frozen? And he's right. also in um, that Netflix show, Mindhunter. He's the uh, the main guy from from that show, like the uh, main uh, serial killer hunter from the, in the uh, uh, for the FBI. I knew I recognized him from somewhere, but it wasn't until I looked him up that I saw that. But yeah, he's awesome. Oh yeah, Love the King. Love the King. All of his songs are hilarious. (laughs)
0: Again, it's like, George Washington definitely in danger of being overly glorified by the show, but I think the show also is in danger of making me love the King too much.
1: (laughs) Um. (laughs) Um, No, it's awesome. Like, he's just so... Like, the way he presents himself and everything, right? He's still like... He has this royalty air. And every time he steps on stage, it's not just the costume, but his very mannerisms just make him seem like he's royalty, right? But like... You he know he's fuming underneath about all of this and like the way he comes on he's like so confused when uh um when George Washington gives up the throne yes or gives up the uh, the presidency and he's like dragging his his scepter he's like I didn't know you could do that you know and like <laughs> it's so nice to have that like extra perspective on it about like what the rest of the world might have been thinking at the time yeah um, yeah and yeah I, I just think that's fun.
0: No, he's amazing. And that's the thing. That's been one of the things I've enjoyed talking to other people about Hamilton who are just seeing it now. They're like, oh, I love the king. I'm like, oh, me too. Um, <laughs> so, uh, to close up our overall section, I just want to hit you with some questions because earlier I said I haven't seen this show. You have seen this show. So, did my biggest question is Did it feel like the role of Hamilton was missing anything because it wasn't being played by Lynn Manuel Miranda?
1: Not really. I mean, it was all, like, I mean, all the things he says, right? I had listened to the soundtrack a few times before I saw it. It's all right there, you know? And although it's not, it's maybe in a slightly different inflection. Like, the way in manuel Miranda says, Congress is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> so that was missing. But, um, otherwise, no. I have this like thing th- called Congress. <laughs> he's <laughs> or he's like, I gotta get my plan to Congress. Uh, I gotta get my thing to Congress. Anyway, um, no, like he does. He does a great job. Uh, the, the guy who played him was, was was great. I wasn't really looking at it that critically when I had seen it. I didn't think we'd be talking about it two years later, <laughs> but um, it was so like it was just a little different. But it, it they still had. I think they had a uh, like a, a guy who was. Of Spanish descent or something he was he wasn't white it was, it was playing him interesting on stage too so it, and I think he was a little shorter than the rest of the cast but he had all that energy still and he really exuded that kind of confidence that um, Alexander Hamilton did and I think in a way that was a little bit missing from Lin-Manuel Miranda where he's he seems a lot more awkward on stage um, but he's uh but he was able to get that kind of so that point across i think well and knowing that it was his show i think added to that too And to have a different actor play it was it had that more ruthlessness to it that a little bit more of a um i don't know like he was w- a little bit more um willing to risk it all in a way he, i don't
0: know yeah sure I, I mean there's definitely a part of me that's like Alexander Hamilton is like a Lin Manuel show. Like it's, it's him up there yes. performing. And that's in Hamilton is woven into it, but it's also definitely him. Um, so that's probably something that I think would be striking to me as like a, you know, a difference, obviously, when you see it with right, a different
1: Right, right. But that's also part of the show, too. In any show.
0: You know, if you who, see it off Broadway, well, it's going to well, be different. That's
1: people. What, no, no. But specifically this one about who tells the story, right? It turns itself back onto lin-manuel like to show that he's the one telling the story reminds you that this isn't what really happened he's just representing it you know i think that's i mean that's super super powerful
0: yeah definitely um i mean so the rest of the cast did they have um i guess was the casting as diverse in the version you saw
1: as far as i remember yes although i think there was i think the white guy still played the king um and the king's mannerisms and stuff were very similar uh, you know, he did the whole, like, shoulder shimmy thing, too, and uh-huh. all that, so he was very funny on stage in a way that I didn't necessarily expect, even though I, like, I was laughing when I was listening to it, I guess, but there's no, it's a cat, you know, it's a recording cor- in a studio, so you don't have the audience reaction, but when I saw it in person, everyone was reacting very strongly to it, which I thought was appropriate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in the, sh- in the Disney version, they bleep F-words. I think there's only two, but they bleep them out. Di- or, or rather they do the classic rap thing where they like put it in reverse where they're like you're dealing with southern uh mother Huffin." like they like say it in reverse mm. so you, it doesn't it's not as jarring as like a mother beep you know because that would ruin it you get like a same thing but with different sound um sure did they say the f-bombs in the actual show As am trying to remember yes
1: um that's part of it, you know? That's, that's the lyrics. No, I know.
0: <laughs> I, I I assumed that that was Disney Plus doing that, where they're like, yeah, this is for kids yeah, or for families.
1: <laughs> I, somebody told me that there was they had removed all the curse words and added McDonald's seven times, but I didn't hear that. <laughs> Maybe that was just a joke. I don't remember hearing McDonald's. No, uh, <laughs> but halfway through, I was watching it. Jenny turned to me. He was like, have you heard the word McDonald's at all? <laughs> and I'm like no uh,
0: and my last question about seeing the show live was the stage the same like did it have the exact same balcony moving like stairs and rotating floor
1: yes they had the rotating floor with the two interlocking things um Jenny actually saw it on Broadway and she said it was exactly like that okay um and the the stairs I remember the stairs being more like used more but maybe I'm wrong about that I don't know it was like it was weird that they only come out once, I guess, and then go right back to where they were. And then that's yeah. it, you know? So, but yeah, I, I seem to remember that being used more than once, but maybe I was wrong. Okay.
0: Well, um, again, I plan to see it in person one day, once live theater becomes a thing. Again. One day. Um, this is good, but it's not enough. Okay. Let's move on to our cool Easter eggs. And
1: why don't you go first, Joey? Well, did you know that today is the day that, uh, Burr shot Hamilton, uh, July 11th, 2020, though, no, not 2020, <laughs> that's today.
0: <laughs> Lin-Manuel and Miranda's, like, a time traveler, like, he came to the future. Nostradamus, like, <laughs> musical, where he predicts the death
1: of Hamilton. <laughs> That'd be so funny. No, 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 um, this was the anniversary of that um, that uh, amazing event, which happened, you know, so many years ago. Yeah, well, since we're... Well, like, almost, almost 300 years ago, basically. Since so, we're recording late in the afternoon, it would have already happened, you know? That's right. It happened early in the morning. Um, and yeah, basically, the I read a little history article of, like from history.com about the, the event and everything that kind of led up to it. And it's basically the same. The, the thing I remember being different from what I was learning in, in history and then what they actually showed on stage was what actually happened between Burr and Jefferson. So Burr was part of the Democratic-Republican, same as Jefferson. Burr was uh, Jefferson's running mate. Um, but through some weird fluke, uh, when you were voting for a like a candidate, you actually voted independently for the vice, prince, vice uh, president and the president. So technically, uh, Burr got the same number of votes as Jefferson, which led to a tie which only could only be broken in Congress. This has happened like three times, I think, in American history, where we've actually had a tie with electors, like the Electoral College has reached a tie, um, and that has to be broken by the representatives in Congress, and they have a big vote. Um, so when they say it's a tie, and then when and then Hamilton says, "I voted for Jefferson," or "I'm supporting Jefferson," and then they win, he wins in a landslide. That's what they're talking about. Okay. Um, and then there was a couple of other moments where Burrow continued to try to run for uh, different positions, and Hamilton like undercut him every time for the same reason. Um, But he doesn't say explicitly that he believes in nothing, more so that he was a dangerous opportunist. And I think that was evident by what Burr tried to do to Jefferson. You know, he could have just said what he should have done was concede and say, we all know I was running as vice president. You know, uh, that's what we should do. And, and I should you know, resign and become the vice president. But instead he was like, no, this is my opportunity to trick everyone into becoming president. And that felt. And then he fell on his face from that. And, you know, Hamilton turned out to be right. So it was a, it was multiple occasions of ha- Burr t- attempting to gain power, Hamilton undercutting him. And then Burr w- got fed up with it and and, uh, you know, took him to a duel. So
0: which didn't help him because <laughs> now That's he's right. just viewed as one of the villains of history.
1: Well that's the thing too, which is interesting about duels, is that most duels don't end in death. A majority of them, like they say in the musical, end before they start and most, most of the other ones, die
0: and no one shoots.
1: That's right. Most of the other ones they if they shoot at each other at all, they won't die. So when Hamilton died, everyone was very upset oh. <laughs> and Burr was actually charged with murder, but he was never actually like convicted. Um, they never was able. They were never able to like get him in Wait. court. He just like ran basically. Really, I thought they yeah. just
0: everything was legal in New Jersey, so it was fine.
1: I mean, that's <laughs> certainly true. I do enjoy the shade that they throw on New Jersey. Although, like, anytime you see a musical, especially in Broadway, they always glorify New York. No, I everyone, think yeah, that's all everyone, I see. Everyone, that no as. one loves New York more than New Yorkers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and no one hates New Jersey more than New Yorkers either, that, which I agree with. New Jersey is trash.
0: Really. <laughs> But what about the gas stations? How nice is it? Do they
1: still have that. I can't. Even, I don't even know that. Why would current. they do that now? And also, like, no. Why do? Honestly, that kind of human interaction is not what I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of someone else pumping my gas is horrifying to me. <laughs> well, I have
0: just one Easter egg. It's really. It's just from the perspective of someone who listened to the soundtrack religiously. Uh, John Lawrence's death is not on the soundtrack. So there was kind of like a nice little bonus, like Hamilton song almost. Bonus uh, death, you might say. Bonus death, right? Well, I was like, oh man, I, I liked how much I liked watching him die in the second, or listening to him die in the second act. If only I had gotten that in the first act, and here that's we that's right. Here you go. So um, I just thought that was an interesting choice because you totally, I think you totally could have fit it in there. Again, though, almost the entire play is sung, but this it's, is one part where it's like kind of a mix because they they read a letter,
1: right? And and the um. I mean, most of the, the soundtrack is divided up into songs, right? And although they flow one into another, almost seamlessly, most, for the most part, like, this is kind of in between, you know? It's only, like, yep. what, 10 yep. or 15 seconds. So, like, I don't know. I did notice that the first time I saw it, too. I noticed that they, when I saw it live, um, that they had cut that part out. But it's also not that important to the story. Well-
0: yeah, yeah, definitely to the overall story. Although I did definitely care more about John Lawrence after seeing like seeing who he was than just listening to mm. him. Um, but okay, Th- those are our Easter eggs. Now let's talk songs because this is a musical after all. And uh, what songs did you like, Joy?
1: I liked all of the songs. My favorite songs are "You'll Be Back," which is the King's song, oh, uh, yeah. which is awesome. Um, I I love his little like doo-wop thing. He sings that dude What does he say? Da 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 da. I like <laughs> this is a
0: good time to point out that with subtitles, you can see exactly what they're saying no matter what. This is no exception. You get the exact like the, the da's are different from the dots, you know, and the days are different from the da's so um it is <laughs> that is an additional resource. Also, there are definitely some times where I wasn't sure exactly what they were saying, and having subtitles definitely help to alleviate that. Although I wonder if this entire album is on rapgenius.com because because uh, you know, there are rap songs. I know it's just genius.com now, but that gets confusing. Um, well, I've got another song that I really liked for you, which is the cabinet battle. Um, which is actually two different songs but this is another thing where it's like duels are cool because they're confrontational and climactic rap battles are also cool and it, I, I think it's a really novel idea to turn debate in you know in the cabinet into a rap battle
1: it's really uh, a natural like progression honestly um because you know I think a lot of people that debate professionally or you know like in a, in a, like a competitive level probably compare it a lot to, rapping
0: sure and um you know they really commit to it having everybody hold microphones i was wondering if those microphones actually did anything yeah probably not um but they had
1: the ones in their face too
0: yeah but I, i thought those were really good homages to actual rap battles and also i it's very noticeable that Hamilton gets the last word both times. So even though he kind of loses the first battle, you
1: you come away with like, yeah, Hamilton's the yeah, best. Yeah, he knew what Devers he was talking about. Suck it. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, I wonder if he was a big fan of uh, epic rap pedals of history.
0: Probably. Uh, knowing Lin-Manuel, <laughs> Man, Lin-Manuel Miranda, I want oh man i wonder if he ever collaborated with them probably I, I i'm know. sure we would know about it if he did but uh, i don't know that they, would make sense
1: they, like the collabs they do are crazy sometimes and they yes. like, dress them up in crazy makeup and then they don't tell you who it is until the end i mean because um key and peel were on it and it's like yes uh, multiple uh, times weren't they yeah uh, at least uh, i remember the ones I, know I, remember they, is, uh,
0: I know they did gandhi uh, versus martin luther king and oh, they, also they also did, did um, michael jordan
1: and michael jordan and um mike tyson was it mike tyson no. or was it um muhammad ali
0: yeah i think it was muhammad ali it was yeah bo- um, boxing but yeah so it would make sense for Lynn manuel miranda did that
1: yeah, it would be fun all right i got another one my my favorite song in this whole thing is the satisfied song uh that um angelica skyler sings uh that one is amazing when i first listened to the soundtrack right and then you know there's a whole thing where hamilton's falling in love with um angelica not angelica but what's eliza her name? eliza and i was listening to it and i'm like you know like what is what exactly is the point of this thing like i was like i don't like this part so much and i was like you know, this thing has been very surprising so far. I bet you by the time this is over, this is gonna be my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> and it was. This is exactly what happened. As like as soon as they get to that wedding scene and then the whole thing reverses, they rewind, rewind, and they play that weird like synth thing where they're all yes. everything's moving backward. Oh my gosh! And then she reframes the whole thing. Oh, it's so freaking! Powerful. I remember that night. I, that night, it's I remember so cool. Night. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, and yeah, we already said about how great, it, how cool it was to have everything reenacted with the same characters over again. But just having that whole thing shown and how, uh, like Angelica is shown as like uh, Hamilton's equal and just as cunning as he is, and yet neither, like because of that, neither of them can ever be satisfied. Oh my gosh. I mean, that really speaks to me. I really, really like that part. It's so, ah, uh, it's so brilliant.
0: No, I agree. That was one of the songs that, in like, that I increased my appreciation of the most. One of them, um, after getting to see it, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to just listening, for sure. I, uh, yeah, actually, a song along that lines. Was Hurricane, because that was another one that I wasn't as big of a fan of just listening to it. But when you get to see the literal hurricane that forms on stage around Hamilton, that was so cool. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Like, again, it was another thing where I was like, stop moving the camera. Like, let me just see this. Um, So I really like that song as well. My favorite song, though, and this is purely not purely but mainly on the basis of how listenable it is but i love we know which is the song where madison burr and jefferson confront hamilton about his uh like the money that they found yeah yeah yeah. they didn't know it was the affair yet and um i love the um i I guess it's like a cello but it's like you know it's like it's consistent throughout that song is like the the heavy uh I'm, I'm guessing it's a stringed instrument that mm-hmm. you hear um, in the background, and then you get to everybody's rapping at each other, and it's just
1: amazing. So, that's that's I think that's my favorite song. That's kind of an underrated one. I don't really think of that one when I think of this. I think of that song. It's
0: interesting to look for me to look back at how I. Um, appreciate or uh, how I chose to um listen to this show is at first I listened to it front to back obviously but then I made a playlist of just the rap songs all the ones that just had (laughs) rapping in it because I was like that's the only part I actually like um and then the more I listened to it the more my taste evolved and I ended up on we know as my go-to Hamilton song
1: cool very cool my favorite song is definitely the last song which is who lives who dies who tells your story uh, when Eliza writes herself back into history, uh, b- brings up all the things that she did in Hamilton's legacy. Uh, every time makes me cry. Yes. I, okay. I, I was about to, say to that. It, I probably listened to this thing like four or five times and every single time this part gets me. It's an, it's incredible. Oh uh,
0: yeah. I was getting emotional and I, again, it was one of those things where I was like, this is so underrated song. <laughs> like I, is not one that I went back to all the time, but, um, you know especially after getting added context from seeing the show this song just hits so hard like it's so meaningful and um
1: yeah yeah and it just ties the whole thing together because like it brings you the audience back into the story about like who you know who lives who dies who tells the story who like this is a story about somebody right and before this i mean they talk about kind of how he's underrated as a founding father someone who isn't doesn't get the appreciation as a ben franklin or a george washington might or even a thomas jefferson um and yet he's so integral to the way that things are and he was also like an immigrant you know he's shown to be like living the american dream of coming to this country to making a new opportunity all that stuff right and uh like it's something you don't really hear about but then you can have it told in such a compelling and interesting and powerful way uh, you know and there he is right there the guy who's telling it <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda and ah oh, man i just i am so touched by this part of the song it's just the the whole idea the theme of legacy that cuts through hamilton is put on full display here and it's um yeah it really ties it up
0: well at the really, end
1: really it's really amazing
0: i actually i wanted to ask you this um it's something that my mom brought up while we were watching. I was like, hmm, "That's a good question. Why does Eliza like scream at the end? Like, it's like the last thing she does. She's like standing in front of everybody. She she like touches Hamilton. Like they hold hands really quickly, but then he fades into the background and she steps up to the middle of the screen or the middle of the stage, and then she like looks up and like ah, <laughs> like, and then the show ends. I did a terrible. Sk- that's not what that she sounds
1: like, but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, why? I don't. What, I don't know what, why she did that. It was it was kind of like a. Um it's kind of like maybe she was like that was the moment after he died, right? And then like they like kind of moved forward into history. So I don't know what that was exactly. Well, maybe she was just m- lamenting the the death of her husband.
0: I, I'm not sure. My mom, her theory was that that was Eliza's death. And now it's mm. now she's done telling the story and now right, it's right, it's on right. to somebody else. Right, right, right. Maybe even you. But it it was kind of a startling way to express that. But yeah. um, obviously intentional. So uh.
1: I have her scream right here. <laughs> 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 ah, ah,
0: how irreverent would it be to end the show <laughs> with her doing that and like falling off the stage, like ah, <laughs> off the stage. <laughs> oh man okay that's a fitting way to end our discussion on Hamilton and as we the same way we finish all our discussions on uh, episodes of Affable Chat we're going to give it our ratings Um, Joey do you want to give your rating first sure Uh, I give this movie uh, multiple shots to not throw away nice I give this movie similar I give this movie a pistol that only shoots straight into the sky (laughs) Um so there you have it. I'm glad we talked about was an unconventional episode of Affable Chat, but bit. I'm glad we got to talk about Hamilton because this has been on my mind for four years. So um and honestly <laughs> there's no end in sight. Glad I could uh yeah, satisfy that. Okay, Joey, what's next on Affable Chat?
1: Next we are doing Leon the Professional, the extended cut. The extended cut recommended yes. to us.
0: Recommended to us by a listener who wanted to hear us talk about it. So we will be doing that. Um, so be on the lookout for that in a future episode but now we have to talk about speaking of our listeners a voicemail that was left to us so as our listeners will know we recently discontinued our phone line we no longer have a phone number but actually the service hasn't run out yet so we were able to receive a um, uh, phone call yesterday and i'm gonna play we actually received two so i'm gonna play the first one right now hi
2: this is affable chat fan jessica i'm calling because i would like for you guys to do an opinion piece on what you think about the current wayfair gate that's happening right now Um, as you might not be aware um, there's lots of information circling around about wayfair being involved with um, child trafficking and i just want to know if you guys thought it was made up or if you actually think it could be something so let us know thanks bye
0: do we want to play both messages yeah i think we should or... play the next one too i think okay. that's going to add we got the, they were to actually they were back to back yeah yeah we received that message and we immediately received this message after
2: hi this is jessica again i'd just like to say never mind i'm just i'm over it and i don't want you to talk about it anymore I'm not involved with it. I just <laughs> didn't want an investigation to be done anymore. I'm over it. Okay. Have a good day.
0: Listen, well, well listen, okay. listen. There's—I don't know much about this Wayfair Gate or whatever the scandal is, but it's clear to me that Jessica is involved.
1: That's what I was about <laughs> to say. Let's, listen, Jessica, you can't just call in and say here's a conspiracy and then say never mind there's no conspiracy all that does is prove there's a conspiracy
0: yeah and to say that you're not involved that's exactly what someone who's very involved would say
1: exactly exactly
0: so w- we're announcing it right now that we will be launching a full investigation that's right and we're going to get to the bottom of Jessica's crimes against humanity alleged <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right that so um, <laughs> i mean do you know anything about Wayfair? yeah name, yeah so this was explained to me the other day um so uh in july i got okay, i got this uh article from snopes i'm gonna read this nice little um, summary of this so okay in july 2020 some social media users accused the furniture store wayfair which is an online furniture retailer i actually bought most of my furniture that i have right now from them um of trafficking children this gravely serious accusation was not based on police reports, first-hand accounts, financial records, or deep investigative reporting. Rather, it was based on the fact that some items on Wayfair are listed at exorbitant prices compared to other, similar items. This rumor appeared to have originated on the conspiracy in uh, quotations section of Reddit, On July 9th, 2020, that post noted that Wayfair was selling utility closets from WFX that were priced at more than $10,000 and offered child trafficking as a possible explanation. That post, like so many other conspiracy theories, offered this notion as a mere possibility and said that it would be stomach churning if true. So the idea is that there are these, okay, imagine you go on Wayfair, right? They have a, a cabinet. And next to it, they have a cabinet that looks very similar, but one of them is like $10,000 more than the other cabinet, right? The other part of this that they don't really mention in this article is that most of these cabinets have names of people. Like like they have like the Desiree cabinet or the Jessica cabinet or the Benjamin cabinet, okay? And those are apparently, you can actually find like missing persons reports of people with similar names, right? Here's well, those the thing. are
0: pretty generic names, but yes,
1: okay. Yes, it is. There are, some, there are some more specific ones, but uh, so, so people kind of went with this or ran with it. Uh, there's an example of a shower curtain Uh, that's, there's one that looks very similar to another one. And, uh, this one is $10,000. The other one is a hundred dollars. So the only possible reason that it's more expensive is not maybe that it's made of a different material or maybe this image doesn't belong with this, um, you know, this product. It's gotta be because there's actually, it's actually selling humans, but like, okay, (laughs) here's, here's the game you can play right now. If you're a fan of this conspiracy, uh, look up. A cabinet or a piece of furniture or something with your name attached to it you know you could you know say like you know benjamin uh you know a bookend or, or benjamin uh nightstand or benjamin bed you'll find ones you know there are lots and lots of these things that are named after people there's no real reason for it necessarily um and also like how would how would this work like why would wayfair display? their undercover child trafficking thing on their website for anyone to purchase, right? How do they know that when you want this thing, you actually want them, you sent a person instead of the thing They're you want They're trying
0: ordered. to expand their market. I guess. You accept, you're you like, well, let's get the expensive one. And you get a, a slave and you're like, wow,
1: I didn't know I was even. Right, I didn't know that was included, you know? so <laughs> I'm definitely yeah. not gonna report them for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it basically makes no sense at all, but uh, it was circulating on Twitter, and apparently uh, Jessica's been caught up in it, so Jessica, well, I mean, watch there, out.
0: I- yeah, if there's any truth to it at all, we know that Jessica's involved. And, uh, so-
1: you know, be careful. If anyone tries to put you in a closet, say no. <laughs> <laughs> right because otherwise you'd be
0: tempted to let them right (laughs) okay thank you for your call jessica unfortunately other people won't be able to follow suit but there are other ways to contact us um please subscribe to us on itunes or spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
1: and wherever you listen to us make sure you leave us a review it really helps us grow you can reach us on
0: twitter instagram and tiktok for a limited time apparently because uh, it might be on the way out all of our, uh, we're on all those platforms. We are at affable chat, or you can send us an email affable chat at gmail.com.
1: We also have a YouTube channel where we upload, uh, episodes of this podcast sometimes, and also <laughs> episodes of other, <laughs> uh, of other things that we talked about. So if you want to check that out, we just search affable chat on YouTube.
0: That is going to conclude this episode of affable chat. Um, and I, Uh, Yeah, I I really did enjoy talking about Hamilton I hope that people will be willing to engage with this because this is pretty popular right now Uh, so we'll see but for Apple Chat I'm Benjamin and I'm Joey thanks for listening